Okay, the scripture reading this morning is Mark 7, verse 15. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Amen. Thank you, Clint, and thank you, um, thank you, Allie, for... Allie led her music today, but what you don't know that I'm going to tell anyway is that she really was Plan C this morning. Uh, that we, you know, we had a couple of musicians that weren't able to 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 to, to be with us today, and um, not only did did she come up with something, she wrote all the songs that we sang this morning herself just just before service started. So so great job, thank you, thank you, Allie, for 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 being flexible and and uh, and, and and for with our music this morning. Well, we are. We're going to jump in uh, to, we're going to continue our series in the Gospel of Mark, and today we're going to be in Mark chapter 7. And as I shared, uh, I'd, I'd like to, if we have questions before we get started, I ask you to text those uh, to me so, so, you know, we can be a little bit prepared and thinking about them, and if they're really bad, you know, I just won't share them. <laughs> but the, the questions for, the, the question we got this, this morning was really, really, really good, and I was joking about bad questions. There's, there's no bad questions, but... But um, here's, here's a question. If you've been reading in Mark 7, you're just going to be right there. We're going to have you stay right there in that text today. And here's the question. It says, um, as I was reading through Mark 7, the above highlighted text, which is Mark 7, 27, seems to place significance, significant precedence for Jesus' ministry on the Jews with the Gentiles being second class to him. So the reference is to Mark 7, 27. If you've got your Bibles... Go there. We're going to read Mark 7.27, but I'm going to first begin with, um, if you kind of take a look at the context in verses 24 through 26, okay, there's a, um, there's a Greek woman who was born in Syria, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the, the demon out of her daughter, and here's what Jesus responds to her in verse 27. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. 28, Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Verse 29, then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And I love this verse 30. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Yeah, great question. Great verse. I don't know if you've ever read that verse before and Maybe you just wanted to pretend that that wasn't in there. Like, how could Jesus be that rude to someone? And so I think the question was being asked is there, um, is, is Jesus taking precedence uh, for the Jews over the Gentiles in this case? And yes, there's a, there's a, a couple, three different things I want to show that's going on here, okay? There's, there's this, this piece of, this theme in Mark that we've been talking about. Um, there's there's prophecy and theology, if you, if you would have it. And there's also uh, humility that is taking place in this text. So real quickly, first of all, yes, it was, prof- it, was, it was prophesied. It was understood that Jesus was to be the Jewish Messiah. Okay, We read in Isaiah 6.10 that the, the, the heart of his people, this people referring to the Jews, have become callous. So their ears have become dull. John 11 verses 11.13 tells us that, that uh, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Psalm 118 talks about how the cap... Uh, the, 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 uh, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. There's these ideas of Jesus 
was the Jewish Messiah, and it was prophesied that he would be rejected. So in other words, yes, he is the Jewish Messiah that came first to the Jews. Okay, But you see his ministry, most of the people that get healed in Jesus' ministry are Gentiles. So that's one thing that's a pro- prophecy, and a pro- that, that's a prophetic and a theological thing that's taking place in that text. But also, remember that theme that I told you about? That theme that I told you about last time I was here that we see in Mark, and it's many people believe that Mark was Peter's penman, and Peter's just full of all this testosterone. He's ready to take a sword and cut off an ear for Jesus. How many of you have cut off an ear for Jesus before? Okay. So, yeah, none of you have. And Peter was ready to do that. You know, he's ready to go to war for Jesus because he's going to be my king, and I'm going to be right there with him, right next to him. And, and so Peter takes this testosterone after he's had this this experience with the living God and understood who Christ is. And he starts channeling it into this gospel that we've been reading and these stories of these people that just defied the status quo and say, I don't give a rip of what you all religious people think. I'm going to get to Jesus. And we see that again in this woman with the language that she uses. The language that she uses about even wanting crumbs, like, I don't care whether you came first to the Jews. I'm here now. <laughs> Give me something. That's this, this attitude you still see in this girl, this, this, this woman who's asking for her daughter to be healed. But I also want you to notice the third thing is the humility. The humility that she has with Christ. Now, you could say entitled, but that's not at all what she was. Just give me crumbs. Give me anything. You're the living God. I'm not entitled to anything, but I'm asking the living God for help. And we see this theme of humility as well in this passage. So there's, there's three, there's all these things kind of going on in this text, which is why I thought this was a great question. If you, if you allow the Lord just to speak to you as you continue reading through these chapters and Mark, I'd love to have you come just with a question next week. Just text me a question. It could be this Sunday morning or it could be throughout the week and we'll address that. As we get into it. So today, we're actually going to pick up right next. We're going to read the rest of, um, we're going to read today Mark chapter 7. Actually, the first part before that, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. We're going to tackle this section by section today. So it'll be right there. If you got your Bibles, you'll be able to stay right there in the, in the Gospel of Mark. And that's what we're going to take on today. Today's message is entitled, That Which Defiles. And so let's begin with a word of prayer. Jesus, you're alive. And now we get the privilege to open up your word. This word that has been passed on to us from generation to generation and is now in our hands now, not just to read through it and say, hey, great preacher, that was a good sermon, but to allow these words to bring application, to bring fruit into our life, that these moments right here matter. God, you can speak to me today, if only I will let you. Lord, you can bring about change in my life this morning, if only if I will let you. So Holy Spirit, all across this room, may our hearts be open to allow the living God to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so in your Bibles, Mark chapter 7. I want to get into some of this, and I'm going to begin Uh, reading verses 1 through 13. Mark 7, 1 through 13. 
My title in my NIV says, That Which Defiles, and so I wasn't that creative this week. That's what I went with for the sermon title. So it says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a minute. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they they wash and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Verse 5, so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right. Sometimes Jesus says real encouraging words. Here they are. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition, and you have handed down and do many things like that. All right. Encouraging words from Jesus to the Pharisees. Now, I want to talk first about these rules and relationship. I know I've shared this before, um, and but I know I'm sure many of you, you may not remember. So when they say um, the tradition of the elders in Scripture, I want to tell you what they're talking about. Okay? So you guys have, remember uh, Chris and I were talking that most, um, most Jewish kids would have learned and memorized the first five books of the Bible. It was actually common to go to school. and They wouldn't just study the words and know a few things about it. They would memorize it, okay? <clears throat> so it was very common that people were familiar with the Torah. And remember, Old Testament, Old Testament is concerned that, you know, that when you come to the tabernacle, <coughs> you do everything right. If you're going to have a sacrifice, there's a certain way that you have to do it. And then there's all these l- things in the Old Testament and in, in the Torah that there are some things that are kind of questionable that aren't really clear on. So the intentions was that there would be what we call oral law, oral tradition, also called Mishnah. Okay, if you've ever heard that word before, it's also called Mishnah, that they would share these traditions. <coughs> these would be what the rabbis would come up with. Of what do you do about some of these gray areas in Scripture? And they would continue to make these traditions, these oral law. Now, in our days, all these oral laws have been put together in a thing called the Talmud. If you've ever heard that word before, there's Talmud, and you can go read about all these oral laws. And they're not all bad. It's not necessarily meant to be a bad thing. It was meant to just be commentary on the Torah, clarify some specific things. But guess what? Men and women are, well, in that case, men, are, are, are making commentary on all this stuff, and they're putting you know, man's hands on all of this. And so a lot of this can become manipulation as well. And in Jesus' day, what he's addressing is, we need to get another drink of water here. What he's addressing at this time is what we call fences. Now, what what I mean is that the, the Pharisees would put 
if you, to keep from being impure, to keep from being defiled, you need, because you can't have things that were sacrificed with, you know, meat that we weren't supposed to use and or meat that was sacrificed to idols. So you better make sure you wash everything really good. So we got to have this law for this. We got to have this rule for this. We got to have this rule for this. And all these things that they're coming at about the tradition of the elders, none of those things are in the Torah. None of those things are in the Old Testament. And they started to get a little carried away with this, and they kept coming up with all these laws, like, hey, let's put this in here. This is going to be great, and this is what people are now going to need to do. And they kept coming up with all of these things, and they got so consumed with these things that they were more concerned with keeping the traditions of the elders that they could forget, well, Deuteronomy 6.5, which was part of the Shema, which every little which every little child would learn to memorize. What about this one, the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And this is what Jesus is addressing with them in this moment, that you guys have created all this silly religious stuff, and you've made it all about your own rules, all about your own tradition, and no longer about loving God. And as Jesus twisted and added to that, you know, added to, to, to Deuteronomy 6.5, he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And you remember what Jesus said next? And love your neighbor as yourself. That this is the true heart of the message. This is the true heart of the gospel. So Jesus is going after them for this because they've, you know, subverted the message of the gospel and They've said that it's about our rules and traditions and no longer about loving God and no longer about loving your, loving your neighbor and making an impact in the world around you. And so he doesn't just stop there. He goes a little bit deeper and he digs into the Pharisees. So I want to pick up in Mark 7, verses 14 through 19, what we're going to talk about now, what goes in, all right? Mark 7, verse 14 says, Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person's out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, the disciples asked him about this parable. And he says to them another encouraging word, are you so dull? He asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. And saying this in parentheses, I like this in parentheses. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So if you have the amplified hungry American version that means that pork chops, pork rinds, pork butt, pulled pork, pork roast, pork and beans, and in bold with caps, bacon are all now legal. All right? But so we can eat what we want to, but, but the truth, of course, is that if we eat too much, it's going to affect us. And so you see where Jesus is going with this and what he's already shared. This isn't just about eating, is it? It's not just about the food that we consume. But Jesus is getting here on a point about what it is we are consuming. What is it that we consume? Because you know the second part here, that what we consume does affect 
what can affect, excuse me, what comes out of us. So what do you consume? Maybe you think, maybe you ask yourself, you know, what comes out of you after you spend an hour, two, three hours watching the news? What comes out of you then? Positivity? Negativity? When you scroll for hours and hours on Facebook or social media, how do you feel after those moments? I mean, there's moments, there's people, hopefully you got some people on your, on, that are your friends that are inspiring. That'll say something that'll just, you know, maybe bring a tear to your eye or bring a word of encouragement. But I'm asking you, what, I'm asking you these questions. What are you, what are you consuming and how does it work for you? What about the conversations that you have? When you spend time tearing down someone else in conversation, do we feel a lot better about ourselves because we've been defensive in some way? How, how does that feel after you spend time tearing somebody else down? Maybe if you spend time building someone else up, how do you feel after that? See, these is, this isn't just food. This is thinking about what it is we are partaking of. The choices that we are making to partake. And it goes even deeper. It goes even deeper to the things that you ruminate on. The things that you continue to think about. The things that you continue to worry about. And what does Jesus say worrying does for us? He, what does he say? It, that's, she, she quoted scripture right there. She, it does no good. By the way, I was giving, I don't know if you guys know all this yet, so I'm going to tell, tell on you guys for a little bit. But, but um, you know, Barb's been working with, with, with Ann, and they, you know, she, she's been helping out some other people in our church as well. And so as you've seen Ann walking in here, she told me before the next thing, she's going to be squatting 400 pounds and doing plyo jumps. But... But I, I'm just always grateful to, to watch in, in these relationships how, how we, what you guys are doing is an example of, of building each other up in, in a testimony even in our church. So I love to see uh, what, what's happening with, with you guys and especially what's going on as is, is Anne is, is on her feet and, and ready to go and, and, uh, and ready to try out for the Olympics next year. So um, now consider what we are ruminating upon. Consider what we, what we spend our time thinking about and how much of that stuff we spend our time thinking about that we have absolutely no control of and we never will have any control of. And at some point, you know, you guys know I, I, you know, I spend time with people working, helping them work through anxiety. And one of the hardest things for people to accept about anxiety and worrying is at the end of the day, it really does come down to a choice. And I say that because, because you've been down this road of ruminating and worrying before and consuming this stuff, continuing to partake of your worries. And at some point in your life, you will recognize that this does not work for me. I find myself in dark places when I do this. I'm getting nowhere. And then when you can finally come to the point and admit that, you realize you have a choice, that you don't have to go down that road anymore. And see, the Old Testament, they got this a little better because they did these things called memorials. They oftentimes had, had seasons where if, if God moved or did something in their life, they would, they would construct something that would remind them. It was almost like something you could go back to, something you could grab back a hold of again. And sometimes we need those kind of things in our life that we consume like a snack each and every day. Like, like I have a problem. I'm still kind of a gas station junkie. Whenever I have to go into the gas station, 
I still got to have a Slim Jim, okay? It's just, it's just my thing. I got to have some protein. It doesn't matter how much that Slim Jim's a dollar or seven dollars, I got to grab it, okay? And, and, and sometimes we need to learn to have that snack that whatever it is we're going through, whatever kind of things we're thinking, maybe it's a scripture, but maybe it's a song, you know? Maybe there's a song that we sing. We only, song a couple, we only sung a couple songs this morning. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is a go-to song for you? If you're, if, you're, if you're in a moment where you just need to consume something positive, you just need to lift up a praise to God, maybe there's a song that starts to come to your mind, something that starts to go in your soul, kind of like the one we, we sung this morning. I, I go to the Lindo Cooley version, though, um, the, the Lindo Cooley version of the song uh, that we sang this morning. Uh, um, almost forgot for a second. What a friend we have in Jesus. Now you can sing with me, yes. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. What about the next part? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not care. Somebody else, what's your memorial song? What's your go-to? What's a go-to for you? Come on, just stand up. Just, you can say the lyrics. You can start singing it. You can start singing it. What's a go-to song for you? Something you think about. Leanne. Oh, I want to be different. I want to be changed. I want to be different. I want to be changed. To all of me is gone. You got to give me the lyrics. And all that remains is a... Come on, what's next? What's next? I don't just sing. Just give me the lyrics. It's a really good song. I just got to remember it. Till all of me is gone and all that remains is a fire sober ride. The whole world can see. I want to be different. So. (laughs) Come and be different with me or something like that. Is that right? All right. What else you got? What's a go-to song for you? My hope is good. You got it. Amen. Amen. We'll do, we'll do, not see, I won't do one more before we go, but, but the reason we're doing this is sometimes we got to find out, we, we have to have some alternatives. We have to recognize what the alternatives in our life are. For when we, we find ourselves consuming stuff that's just not doing anything good for us. I hope you got some verses 
that, that are go-to. I, I like one in Romans that says creation waits an eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. It just reminds me, if I'll just wake up and see what's right in front of me, I can do great things for the Lord in this moment. Whatever kind of mood I'm in, whatever, whatever it is that I'm going through, I can allow the Lord to speak to me in this moment. Another one says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Anyone else? A go-to verse or go-to song. One more to close this on. For God did not give us a heart of fear, but of strength and love and sound judgment. See why this stuff is important? And you know, life is going to happen to you in some ways. You know, as Christ followers, we're called to make some life happen, some, some things to be intentional in our life. But most, but in many cases, life is going to happen to us. That's why I share many times that the one part of your day that you have the most control of is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning and the last thing you do before you go to bed. And we must be able to create some time for us to consume of the things of God. So we've talked about that which goes in. And I've told you guys, and we're talking about your feelings, by the way. Sometimes we just feel a certain way, and feelings are not right or wrong. They just are. But what do you do with them? What do you do then with your feelings? And that leads us into the next piece. What comes out? So I want to pick up in verse 7, Mark 7, verse 20. It says, he went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. They were just thoughts before, but now what's coming out of them, they're now bringing it to life. They're now sowing those seeds in some way. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evil come from the inside and they defile a person. So we all, this isn't just a word for the Pharisees, come on. It's a word for all of us. When I, when I read this, i got to take a step back. Like, oh, my word. I think of some of the things that's been coming out of my mouth lately. The stuff I've been speaking into existence, whether I meant to or not. Thinking I'm entitled to my opinion. I'm entitled to share. I'm entitled to say this hurtful thing about someone. I'm entitled to talk about someone behind their back. Lord, forgive me. And, and we see this in Scripture, and we see this in other places in Scripture, too. The, the point that Jesus is trying to make here in Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. Christian, if we go to that one, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick fig trees from thorn bushes or grapes or briars. A good man brings up good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil Sort up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And we address this idea of this freedom, this liberty. First Corinthians six twelve tells us that if I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Another version says that. Everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We can say all day, according to some of the freedoms that are found in the grace of the gospel, 
Well, why is this wrong? But the better question to always ask is, why is this right? Is there fruit, biblical fruit coming out of, 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 of what we are saying? And then the last one in Galatians 5, 13 through 15, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, do what? Serve one another humbly in love. We talked about this earlier. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Leave that verse up. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Joe Leach last night and um, one of the things he was sharing, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, and you, you all understand that when you, when, you, when you grieve, you go through many different phases, but he's having a phase that is a very good one now where he's very close to the heart of the Lord and, and, and very close to sensing his will. And, and one of the things that, that he said was it just, that we discussed last night is just it does just seem like the world is becoming more wicked these days as we see uh, churches declining and we reference that there's a, you know, an attempt at a Satan group that's going on just right here in Eaton. There's different reasons why that's happening, but um, there's reminders of the direction that the world is heading in in front of us. And, and when I read these things, I'm reminded of this verse in 11:15 that if you bite and devour each other, he's talking, he's talking to Christians here. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. See, there comes a point in time where we know the stuff that we're supposed to be partaking of. We know the stuff that we're not supposed to be spending time consuming. And we notice the stuff that's coming out of our mouth. And we have to ask ourselves, am I being a light to the world or am I biting and devour, devouring others? Now, we reference this verse, and I, I'm, I, I just I feel like maybe we'll take it just a moment and read this whole verse, because we were talking about this verse at a special meeting we had a Thursday night. I'm not going to hit the issue that we were talking about. I told people to go take a look at Romans chapter 1. We were talking about some different things in our meeting. And I don't know if, you've, if, if, you, if it's been a while since you've read what takes place in Romans 1, and I'm going to, to share it because it reminds you how important your role is in this day and age. What, is ta- what takes place automatically when people refuse to acknowledge the truth that is right in front of them, the truth that they have been hearing for years. So here's what Romans, you, you don't have to go there. You can if you want because there's a lot of crazy stuff in here, but, but because you've seen this pattern. But here's what it says in Romans chapter 1. I'm going to pick up in verse 18. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Suppress actually means that you know the truth, but you're choosing to push it down. You're choosing to, to deny it. You're choosing, I know what I should be doing right now, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to suppress the truth. 
And here's where this leads when we begin to suppress the truth. It says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For all they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And what does the Lord do? It says, therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. He gave them what they wanted to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. This all begins, I remind you, by choosing to suppress the truth, by suppressing the truth. So it's, that's why it's actually really important that you're here on a day like today. You're consuming of the word of God today. You're partaking of worship. Something is, is going into you, but we also have to ask, we also have to consider what comes out of us. Are we bringing forth defilement into the world? And we becoming defiled by just the things that we say and the things that we do. Because the, see, the reality, the beautiful reality is that is that not one of us in this room are, are, are going to be perfect. We all could say these things I know I shouldn't say, but I keep saying them. See, the Lord's heart here is in repentance. He reminds us that he's got something better for us. He reminds us that my ways are ways of grace, that you acknowledge the ways in which You've suppressed the truth. You acknowledge the ways in which you've said things that were hurtful. That you said things that, so, so we have a cross to come to, to say, Lord, forgive me. I want to be one who brings life to this world. So we, we got to ask, when's the last time there's been some authentic repentance in our life? As we conclude, I just want to encourage everyone to, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm just going to begin to share some things myself, even into this microphone. So it allows a, a venue where maybe you feel comfortable speaking some things out loud that just says, Lord, forgive me. 
So whether you do that with your own lips, and I'd encourage you to, rather than suppress the truth, right? Continue to hold these things in that we know we should be letting go of. I would encourage you just to begin, just to find your own place of repentance. And this is if, this is, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor and a microphone saying these things, but this is always your choice. There's, there comes a point in time when we realize that, wow, I've been bringing forth some dark stuff at times. And I know this isn't working for me. And God, I sense your presence. Not, you're not a God that's ready to beat me over the head with a hammer. You're a God who reminds me that, Brody, there's a better way. You don't have to do this. Just find your own place of repentance. Lord, forgive me for the things that I say that bring forth destruction. Forgive me for every word that I've said that was said out of insecurity or defensiveness and, and brought forth fear or, or, or brought forth anger and brought forth frustration into someone else's life. Or forgive me for all the things that I consume that that have nothing to do with you, that actually just bring me a temporary fix, that, that uh, a temporary pleasure when, Lord, I know that your ways are better. Or forgive me for the, for the encouraging words that oftentimes that I don't say because I'm so caught up in myself at times that I don't share the truth and bring life. Give me the things that I do when I'm weary for the things that I, uh, Lord, that I do when I feel insecure. Lord, thank you that you are the God that brings forth life and repentance. Lord, all across this church, we're people that knows that we need you. We are men and women in need of a Savior. So as we draw near to you in repentance, we're reminded of the grace and the life and the renewal that comes forth when we draw near to you. So all across this place, receive the Spirit of God. Receive new life. Receive the fruit of the Spirit. Hmm. Receive the truth. Allow the truth to spring forth in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you today to stand for your benediction. In these days of wickedness and deception, may you consider what you are consuming and stop suppressing the truth that is in your soul. May what comes out of you be love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.